Blog Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord, everybody. I'm sorry I'm a few minutes late. I had a some technical difficulties on my end and had to reboot my computer. But we're here, and welcome to the Word on Wednesday, where tonight we will go a little, do a little something different as we um, as we attempt to do a topical show. You know, most of the time when we do, we follow a book study format. But for the past several weeks since we have finished working with First um, Samuel and have decided not to go into Second Samuel until the start of the new year when we do our new Bible study format, we decided to do some topical studies for past couple of weeks. We've been doing Psalms and having a great time in them. But tonight we're going to answer a question that is um, at the forefront of everyone's mind, and that is, how should a Christian respond to government? But before we go into that and before we open up, uh, before we go any further, let's have a word of prayer. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. We thank you, O God, that you are the God who answers prayer. We thank you, O God, that you are the one who have promised to lead us and guide us into all truth. And tonight, O God, we need your truth. Father, we have been bombarded with um, information and strategies, uh, petitions, but God, we need to hear from you. We are your people, the sheep of your pasture. And, Father, we need to hear the voice of the shepherd tonight. So we ask that as we go into your word tonight and as we have this discussion, that you would govern the discussion, first of all. Secondly, we ask that your spirit would lead us in this discussion, that it will reveal the truth of your word to us and give us our marching orders. Thirdly, we pray, Father, that healing would come to all Christians. Father, because there's division within the body, there's attitude within the body that doesn't belong there, and this 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 very thing, this very problem, government could break us apart. So we ask God that you would just be all in this conversation, and that more than anything else, more than our opinions, more than uh, uh, our wants and our needs and our fleshly desires, that you would speak to our hearts and turn our faces and our hearts and our minds toward you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The other thing we ask for, um, before I get started, is that If you're out there listening tonight and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I ask that you would ask him into your heart. Jesus died for you. God gave Jesus for you. God gave Jesus for the sins of mankind. And when he died, he died for all of us, all sinners. He paid that price for us. And he gives us Jesus as a gift. 
It says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if you believe that Jesus died for your sins, all you need to do is just ask him, receive him. First of all, when I say ask him, ask him to come into your heart. Secondly, after you ask him to come into your heart, and, and all it merely means is say, Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I ask you to come into my heart. And then you receive him by faith. You receive him by faith. And as you receive him by faith, then God will come in and he'll save you. He will save you. And then the third thing I want you to do is I want you to find another Christian or a a Christian church that teaches that Jesus is the Son of God and that will help you understand salvation. I mean, this is a top line. All I'm trying to do is just let everybody know the, the good news that God has made a way for us to come to him, to become alive in him, to fellowship with him, because our sins no longer have to separate us from God, because Jesus paid the price for our sins. Just ask him in your heart. Find yourself, ask him in your heart tonight. Find yourself a Christian. Find yourself a church so they can teach you more about this salvation and more about this gift, more about Jesus, so you can learn how to live this new life that you've now received. Well, and with that said, let's jump right in because I'm already behind. So why the topic tonight? The topic of a Christian's response to government. Why are we uh, uh, having this conversation? Well, we're having this conversation simply because we're on the verge of getting a new government. Not a new system of government, but new government in terms of a new president, he's, he's forming a cabinet, and many of us, and many Christians especially, um, don't like this particular uh, president. And then there's a lot of Christians that like him. And it's this like and dislike of Donald Trump and the like and dislike that we've experienced with our last president, or current president, actually, uh, President Barack Obama, and all the vitriol that has been associated uh, over the years uh, with government that I believe is causing a huge split within the body of Christ. And I believe that this is because we don't understand how we are to operate in government. Now, I know that there's some of you out there that are saying, well, you know, you black, and so you were for Obama, and you were for Clinton. And both of those things are true. But that's not my me being an African American and the way I vote is irrelevant to this teaching tonight. Because what we have to understand is that the church being involved in this political system, the way we're involved in it, and don't anybody say that I don't think we should be involved in uh, 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 and what's going on. But there's a way, 
and there's a purpose for our involvement. There's a way we are to respond, and the way we are to respond is a way that brings unity within the body of Christ and not division. Now, you might say you might be thinking tonight, well, wait a minute, hold on. How can we be for Trump and 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 be right when Donald Trump basically espoused racist views and he uh, act, he was a misogynist and 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 he was uh, um, uh, uh, he, he he basically lied and he did this and he did that. Or if you were anti-Obama, then you would say, well. How can the church? How can we as Christians be for him when he seemed like he was so supportive of gays and he seemed like he was so supportive of homosexuals and he seemed like he was so against so many other people? How can we do that? How can we be? How can we be against all of that? And I want to tell you something. All of those things have absolutely nothing to do with how. A Christian is supposed to behave and comport himself towards government. So I want us to start. I want us to start digging into the Word and find out what what God expects of us. Because throughout this whole thing, I've heard from the left. I've heard from the right. We've been arguing. We've been putting each other down, and God is not pleased with our behavior. And, it, and, it, and it's because we haven't studied the word and we haven't listened to God in these things. So let's start out, first of all, by getting our Bibles out. And I see I got a caller sitting out there. And I, let me just make the, this mic active and see what we got here. Hello, caller. How you doing? That must I think I recognize that phone number. I ain't gonna put nobody on blast tonight, so I'm just gonna. I think they're just listening. Oh, okay. Hey, you got any, got questions or comments? No, just listening. Good job. Okay. Okay, good. Let me see if I can work this thing and mute you there. Okay. Now. The first thing I want you to do is I want you to grab your Bible, and I want you to turn to the book of Colossians. That's where we're going to start. Because the first problem that we have is that in getting involved in our government the way we've gotten involved in our government, I'm afraid that we have forgotten who we are and what our purpose is. In this world is so turn over with me to Colossians chapter 3 and as you can see I'm still doing it the good old-fashioned way I like to flip pages it says this Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 that's where we're going to start our discussion at and if you've got, if you want to join in the conversation, uh, 
Call me at 929-477-2304, and we welcome your comments. And those of you who are out in um, Periscope, you can either call me or you can post a question right on the screen so I can see it. We're starting with uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Listen to this. It says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So the first thing that we need to understand is that we're dead. So who won the election and who lost the election, what government is doing and what the government is not doing is not our primary concern because we died in Christ. And a lot of the things that we're focusing in on uh, be there social justice or how many, the tax policy or Obamacare or uh, 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 the rights of homosexuals, all of those things. That is not our primary concern, and it does and it should not impact us to a point where we're losing our focus on our mission. What does the what does Colossians say? It says, since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. So when you read this, the thing you, your, your heart, your desire are on heavenly things. It's not about the Republicans or the Democrats. We've died to those things. We've died to our fleshly desires. And our hearts now are concentrating on but one thing, and that is a heavenly agenda. Do you see where I'm going with this? We can't allow ourselves to get caught up in the world. The Bible teaches us that we are in the world, but not of the world. And right now, I believe the church is acting more like they were not born again, but born of the world. And what does and what does Scripture teach us? That in our flesh we can find no good thing. It also teaches us that that which is flesh is flesh. Isn't that what it says? And that flesh won't enter. The kingdom of God. And when we're talking about flesh, what we're talking about is the desires and the will of unregenerated men and women. So all of our desires, all of our hopes, all of our dreams that, that, that we allow, when we allow ourselves, our fleshly desires and stuff, to get tangled up in such a way that we get emotionally involved in this thing, we're too deep. And we shouldn't be emotionally involved because... My first point was, we're dead. We're dead to those things. We died with Christ, buried with him in baptism, yet risen with him to the newness of life. So why are we going back, living like, like, like 
unregenerate people. Secondly, my second point is this. It, says, it teaches us that our citizenship is not here. Look at, um, turn to Philippians verses, uh, chapter 3. So if you're in Colossians right now and you're doing a paper thing like I'm doing, just go back. Go back one book. Look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Listen to what it says. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. You see, one of the things that Paul is teaching us here is that we don't, we're not from here. We're not, we, although physically we are citizens of the United States, we have a higher citizenship. When we were born again, we became citizens of heaven. And so our goal is not to take over this government, but instead to advance the government of the kingdom. That's why when we pray, we pray, thy will be done, thy kingdom come. We're praying, and our motivation is to advance the kingdom of God on earth. And when I say the kingdom of God on earth, what I'm specifically saying is the kingdom rule of God on earth. So the first thing that we, you know, have you ever heard, ever heard this thing? Uh, when, when it comes to taking sides, we ain't got a dog in the fight. So why are we going to get on Trump's side or Clinton's side or Obama's side or anybody's side. That's the fallacy of getting involved in some business that is not yours. What did Jesus say when, when, he, when, when he got separated from his, his family at the temple? He, and Mary and Joseph went looking for him and said, why you scare us like that? He said, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? Church, Christians, it's time for us to refocus to be about our Father's business. And what is our Father's business? Saving souls. Getting the message out to mankind that Jesus Christ died for our sins, and that not only did he die for our sins, but he has risen from the grave, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and even more importantly, he's giving us time and space to spread the word because he's coming back again. We've got to get that in our hearts and our minds. We've got to, you know, are you beginning to see things a little bit differently now? Are you beginning to understand that, that what God wants us to do is God wants us to seek the things from above? Now, if nobody's calling in, I'm going to keep going, but let me ask you a question. I need you to get this real deep in your hearts. When was the last time you prayed 
about this thing, about your involvement in the world? Or have we gotten so wrapped up in seeking the blessings of God? And by the blessings of God, I mean the material blessings of God, the physical manifestation of God in our bodies through health, um, that we have forgotten what the mission is. And not only that, have we forgotten what our position in this world is? Because based on the behaviors that we, notice I said we, have been displaying, I believe that we've that we've lost that we've lost our mission focus and that we've lost our witness. You know what happens when when you take sides? You know, as a pastor, we have to be very, very careful about how we minister, especially in political settings. What do you mean? Well, because if we espouse uh, a certain political idea or a certain penchant for a particular political party, it does not, it, it, it hinders us from being able to minister to those who do not subscribe to our personal political views. What am I saying? If I say that the Democrats, Democrats are right, the Democratic part of my congregation will cheer that. But the Republican side is looking at me with a jaundiced eye. They're basically saying, well, wait a minute, hold on. He's saying that, that the Democrats are right and the Democrats for this, this, and this, and the Bible doesn't support that. How is he going to support that? So all of a sudden, I've alienated, I've alienated an entire segment of my congregation just because I espouse a certain political view. And so as pastor, I am bringing division into the body. And the number one person that should be bringing unity within the body is the pastor. And if I bring division and cut the Republican wing off or cut the, the, the Democratic wing off or sneer at the independence within the congregation, how am I able to minister to them? How are they able to trust and confide in me? How am I able to, to even, to even uh, uh, come to them and try to encourage them to walk with me when we're in disagreement? And what does the Bible say? How can two walk together unless they agree? And I'm not saying that if you're a pastor of a congregation that, you know, you got to be, uh, a, 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 um, how should you put it, you've got to be a Democrat if, if your congregation is all Democrats or Republican. No, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that that stuff don't matter. I will tell you this, that you're obligated to vote, but how you vote, you have to vote your conscience. You have to vote the way you think you should vote. But nobody. But don't do anything that's going to cause separation. And that's what's happening. We're separating ourselves. Let's get back to the scripture because there's a, there's a number of scripture that we've got to get through tonight, and I just so we can get our attitude correct. 
And that's what we're going to be about, correcting our attitude about this thing. Because we got some, I'm just going to tell the truth, we got some funky attitudes after this election. We, I mean, we got people ready to go at each other, people that have been in families just looking at each other crazy. And we're going to stop this right now because that's a trick of the enemy to divide us. We're not going to be divided. Let's look, about, let's look a little bit more. Look, the first thing I want you to understand, the second thing I want you to understand, rather, is that government comes from God. Go to, go to your Bibles again and turn to, let's see, turn to Proverbs chapter 8. Let's start there. There's, there's a number of different ways I want to go with this, and I, want to just, I just want to let you know that, that government didn't come from the devil. They might act like the devil, but government comes from God. Turn to Proverbs chapter 8. Because I want, to, I want to just establish that real quick, and then I want to get into our, our response, okay? Because that's what this show is all about, our response. Proverbs chapter 8. And let's go down to verse 15, 815. It says, By me kings reign, and rulers make laws that are just. By me, princes govern, and all nobles who rule on earth. Now, from there, now just remember that. Just remember that. It says, it's by me that they rule. Look at, um, uh, look at Daniel chapter 2. Swing over to Daniel 2. So go forward in your Bible from Daniel, from, uh, uh, not forward, but move towards the New Testament. How's that? Don't quite get there. When you get around Isaiah and Jeremiah and them, slow yourself down a little bit. Okay. Look at uh, chapter 2, verse 37 and 38. I want to show you something. Now, let me set this verse up before I read it. In Jan Daniel chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And... Nobody can interpret the dream, and so he won't tell them what the dream is. He won't tell the soothsayers and all of his magicians and stuff what the dream is. He said, y'all got to come to me and tell me the dream, otherwise I'm killing y'all. Because if I tell you the dream, then you're going to tell me some nonsense, and I want to know what this dream means. So he threatens them all. Daniel asks for time to pray. Daniel gets time to pray, uh, and God reveals the dream to him. So now he's in the this in in this passage. He's in the middle of explaining to Nebuchadnezzar what the dream meant. And for those of you who are Bible scholars, you know what you 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 know the whole story. I just want to lift up just a portion of what he says in um, Daniel chapter two, verse thirty-seven. So let me read it to you. It says, "You, O king, are the king of kings, but God of heaven has listen to you, listen to this." The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he has placed mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them all. So what Daniel is telling the king is that it's God that has set you 
in this authoritative position. Now, what does that first verse say? It says that kings rule by the power of God. What, are we try- what point are we trying to establish? It's God who places people in positions within our government. So the fact that Donald Trump it will be president is a God-ordained thing. The fact that President Barack Obama has been in the White House for the past eight years is a God-ordained thing. He could never have ascended to, to be president of the United States. Trump will, could never be president of the United States unless God allowed it. All power, all positions begin and end with God. The power that the devil has, the things that the devil does, are things that God allows him to do. The devil can't do nothing. Trump can't do nothing. Nobody in any position on the earth can do anything unless God gives them the authority and power to do it, period, end of conversation. Look at Job. Look at the book of Job. Look at Satan as he's portrayed in the book of Job. He comes and he says, and he tells him, I can't get at Job because you won't let me. But if you let me, and God said, going to do it, but don't mess with his soul. You can touch his body, but you better not mess with his soul. And so even then, he could only go so far. So what am I saying? Don't get excited. God got this thing. Now, let's go a little bit further. Even with Jesus, go to, go, to, go to New Testament and go to John 19. Flip over to John 19. Go to the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the 19th chapter and the 11th verse. This is Jesus and Pilate. I'll, read, I'll, I'll start reading just a little bit earlier so you can get the whole the conversation in context. I'm going to read at verse 8. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have the power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. So Jesus tells Pilate, who thinks he has power, that you, the only power you got is the power that my daddy gave you. That's it. And you can only do to me what my father allows to happen, and what's getting ready to happen is part of the plan. And that's something that I want to encourage you with tonight, Christians that what is getting ready to happen is a part of the plan of God. God didn't wake up the day after the election surprised that Donald Trump was elected. That didn't shock him. That did not catch him off guard. He anointed. Oh, y'all hit me to use that word when it comes. Donald Trump is anointed to be 
the next president of the United States. Oh, he said it, he said it. So, we know that it came from God. We know that God establishes the governments. We know that, that Donald Trump and his administration are about to move in. So how are we to respond? Well, let's start here. Let's start with, go to Romans. Go to Romans chapter 13. Let's start there. This is the Christian response, knowing, number one, that we are citizens of heaven. Number two, that God establishes government and he empowers the rulers. He picks and he empowers. Hmm? Yeah, he allowed that to happen. That's just the facts. It says, chapter 13, verse 1. Let's start reading there. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. Read it again. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. What does that submit mean? Everyone must bring themselves in order under the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Now watch this part, Christians. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. He who rebels against the authorities are rebelling against what God has instituted. Let me put a pen in that. And rebellion is as what? The sin of witchcraft. And what is witchcraft? Trying to manipulate things a certain way to get your way. Christians are not to be involved in rebellious activities. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and he will commend you for he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath, to, be, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. That, brothers and sisters, is the word. Let's go further. So the first thing that we have to do is we have to submit. We have to bring ourselves in order 
under the rule and the person designated by God to rule. I know, I know, I know that some people right now are saying, I don't like that. You did, remember? Dead folk don't have no feelings. You died with Christ. And you are risen with him. Therefore, seek the things that are above. Remember Colossians? We're not interested in what's going on in that government. We are interested in seeking the things that are above. And what's above? Heavenly rule. Let's go further. Um, Let's Go to First Peter two. Ooh-wee. This is everybody wanted, you know. Everybody wanted their own way, and our way does not bring what God wants. But the way of God accomplishes the purpose of God, and so if we're interested in accomplishing God's purpose, then we listen to God's word and we follow God's spirit into truth. Go to first go to first Peter uh chapter 2. Now, mm, I, I don't know if I'm getting any amens. I'm not getting any questions and I'm not getting any amens, but I got I you know, as a pastor, as a preacher, as a teacher, our job is to teach the word of God. Now I know that there's probably some prophets out there who are, you know, prophesying from their own desires and not from what God is saying. That no, God's going to do this, God's going to do that, God's going to do the other. I don't know what God's going to do, but I know what he told us to do. And so as a pastor and teacher, it's my job to relay to you what the word says. Because see, if it was left up to me, Oh, I'd have a whole different strategy to this thing. But it's not left up to me. And what's going to come out of me is flesh. And flesh don't lead you to the kingdom. Flesh going to lead you to get a good butt whooping. And I want us to be victorious. And so Christ is the one that leads us to victory. Sometimes the strategies, are, we don't understand them. But I guarantee you one thing, you'll be victorious following the word of God. Okay, go on. Uh, um, First Peter chapter two, and go to verse thirteen. Here it is. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake, ooh, because it's doing something for God. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. 
honor the king. Let me take a few minutes with this one, okay? First of all, it says that when we place ourselves in order, whether we want to do it or not, we have to understand that what we're doing, we're doing for the Lord's sake. What do you mean we're doing it for the Lord's sake? We're doing it to advance the kingdom rule of God on the earth. Secondly, it says, to every authority among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right, for it is, listen to this, because we always pray, God, I want to do your will. God, I want to do your will. God, I want to do your will. God, what is your will? God, is your, what is your will? Here it tells us what it is. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. So when we submit ourselves, when we get ourselves in order under the authorities, Number one, we do the will of God. Number two, oh, excuse me, we do the business of God. Number two, we do the will of God. And number three, we silence the foolishness. What do you mean you silence the foolishness? You don't give the enemies of God an occasion to attack God's program. You see, right now, the way we are behaving ourselves, we are so ineffective because we're acting like the world. We don't act like holy and blameless people. We don't act like light. We can't distinguish us from them. How is it that light and darkness are looking the same? And yes, understand what we want to do. Understand we want to make sure that the poor are fed. Understand that we want to make sure that immigrants are treated properly. Understand that we want minorities treated properly. I understand that we want fair wages. And I understand that we don't want uh, uh, um, the gays and lesbians and stuff persecuted and, and, and treated every old kind of way. I understand that we want to deliver goodness and mercy. But you don't give somebody a meal after you done spit in it. Nobody eating that. You don't, you don't gain influence by acting a fool. No, you walk righteously. You walk as children of light, not as children of darkness. We don't get involved in those tactics that, that the children of darkness get involved in. No, 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 no. Baby, you are robed in righteousness and folk robed in righteousness. Don't go out and play in the mud. And that is, in essence, what we do when we don't submit ourselves, when we don't take care of God's business, when we don't put his, his business as a priority. He says, when we do that, we silence. We silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. And what's a foolish man? A foolish man is a man that don't believe in God. It's the fool that says in his heart that there is no God. And so we can just do what we want to do any kind of way, that we can employ any kind of tactics. We, we want to shame people into doing right and not talking about us by being godly, by behaving ourselves in a godly manner. Let me, let me keep going. Oh, I'm, I'm running out of time. It says, and we're free, but we don't leave, you, you, use the fact that we are free to do evil. Keep going. It says, 
show proper respect to everyone. Donald Trump, like you see, this is what this is how we can make a lot of folk upset too. And and when I say upset, show how foolish they are and how how godly we are by respecting him as President Elect Trump. There was a whole lot of folks that didn't want to call say uh, Mr. O, uh, President Obama was President Obama. We ain't using the same tactics. No, we won't do that. We're not going to get lulled into stupidity and anger and violence. Mm-mm. We ain't getting drawn in that way. President Trump, love the brotherhood of believers. That means even if you know that they voted for somebody that you didn't think they should vote for, for whatever reason, love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Have respect for God and honor the king. Look, let's go further. I got I got eleven minutes to go to do this. Um, go to go to First Timothy chapter two. Verses um one. Here's what the next thing that we've got to do. It says, I urge you then. First of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceable and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed an herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying and a teacher of true faith to all the Gentiles. I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority. So, not only do we have a responsibility to submit bring ourselves in order under, but also we have a responsibility to pray, to intercede for the, for, for the president, for the governors, for senators, for congressmen, for all who are in authority. Why do we want to pray? Well, the verse says it right there. First of all, that we might live quiet and peaceable lives, in all godliness and holiness. So we can have quiet and peaceable lives. Secondly, because God wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. You see, it's that quiet, peaceable way that we live. It's us being in order. It's us interceding that causes men to understand that we are the light 
that draws men to us that we might advance the kingdom of God by sharing the gospel with them. Do you see the play? Do you see what God is doing? God wants us to be in a position of submission so we can fulfill our commission. So we can work his plan rather than trying to work our plan. Does somebody get that? That's huge. Look at Titus 3.1. I, I want you to go there real quickly. Titus 3.1. So let's see. Now where did I have Titus? Timothy. You know, Titus is before Timothy. All right. See, I get back here in these little books, and every now and then I get jacked up too. So don't you feel don't don't feel bad, because I you know, part of my problem is I read so many different Bibles. Like when I get in that Hebrew Bible, they don't stack them up like they do in the Christian Bible. It should be where I had Titus at this time. Ooh, I know he's somewhere around this Colossians. If I'm, oh, if somebody was listening, they'd help me. Thessalonians, first and second. Timothy, it should be Timothy, Titus, then Hebrew. Is that right? There he is. Well, go back to Sunday school days. Okay, Titus, chapter 3, verse 1. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient. You hear what I said? To be obedient to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one. So all that stuff that we've been saying about Trump, we got to stop. To slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and to show true humility towards all men. So as Christians, we have to be humble. We have to watch what's coming out of our mouth. And you know what? I ain't just talking to Y'all, I'm talking to us because if it's, well, you let me get started talking about somebody that I don't like and I can go off. But I, we have to repent for that. How are we going to minister to somebody we can talk about? Imagine, just imagine this real quick because I know I got some more to go. But imagine you see some lady or some man in your church that is, is doing wrong and you talk about them like a dog and everything that they're doing. You are describing, but you're describing it. I mean, and and it's true. What they, what you what you're saying is true. How do you minister to them? How do you minister love to somebody who you know ran and drug in the gutter? Why are we doing Satan's job for him? That's Satan's job to th- throw him in the gutter. It's our job to go to them and tell them about Jesus who got us out of the gutter and who can get them out of the gutter and who have sent us to help them. Get out of the gutter. They know that they're wrong. They know that already. They don't need you voting with the devil. They need you voting with God. Saying, oh, from the other to the uttermost he can save you. Yes, he can because he's a high priest forever. Ooh. Now, I want you to I want you to do this real quick. Go to Exodus twenty two, twenty eight. I'm 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 in a hurry now. Exodus twenty two twenty eight. So what do we learn so far? We learn first of all that God got this thing, that He's appointed the rulers that He wants, that we have to submit, 
that we have to pray, that we can't slander them, that we have to be humble, that we have to be humble. Because God's plan is for us to humble ourselves and to be peaceful and to be and walk holy and righteous. Why? So then we can operate as children of light and get them joker saved. Go to uh, Exodus 22. Quick verse, quick verse, quick verse. Ooh, my finger's slow tonight. Exodus 22, 28, what does it say? 22, 28. Do not blaspheme God or curse the ruler of your people. Very, very quickly. Why do you think David did not kill Saul? Because that's what God told him not to do. Wasn't that David was so gracious and kind and all that kind of stuff? No. Mm-mm. He wouldn't touch God's anointed. We ought to be like David. Don't touch God's anointed. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. There's a couple others that I want you to get. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Well, Ecclesiastes 10.20. Quick. Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. Chapter 10, when I get me a group of kids, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to get them memorizing the books of the Bible and have Bible games, and I'm going to get in there, and I'm probably lose, but I need to get some. I need to start doing some Bible drills because I'm losing my speed. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 20. It says, Do not revile the king, even in your thoughts, or curse the rich in your bedroom. Because a bird of the air may carry your words, and a bird on the wing may report what you say. Go to Proverbs chapter 24. Just a backwards move. Proverbs 24. I'm getting there. Ooh, I'm running out of time. I'm running out of time. I'm running out of time. And this is going to be the last one, I think. Proverbs 24. It says, Fear the Lord and the King, my son, and do not join with rebellious officials. For those two will send sudden destruction on them, and who knows what calamities they could bring. So saying, hey, you get stuff out of order, you're going to get in trouble. So we don't want to do that because we don't want no trouble. We want to be witnesses for God. Now, so what about all these threats and all of these things that he's saying? You know, we're supposed to pray for the king, right? We're supposed to submit to the king, right? We're supposed to uh, 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 um, not slander the king, supposed to keep ourselves in order at all times with all government. Amen? But there's something I want you to know. He is God's servant. He's there to do what God tells him to do. And when we pray and we ask God, when we ask God concerning whatever is going on, God will answer us. This is what it says. It says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. That's Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1. So we ain't got to worry about nothing. We have to worry about a thing concerning what's going to happen because the heart of the king is in the hand of God. And he'll twist it and move it whichever way he wants it to go. 
God is still in control. But is God still in control of you, or are you controlling you? Are you operating in the word, or are you operating in your flesh? Will you submit to the authorities as God Will you do what God has said in terms of praying for the king, submitting to the king, honoring the king, walking upright in peace? Will you do what God says do? Why are you going to do your own thing? Are you going to rebel and practice witchcraft when it comes to them? Are you going to advance the kingdom of God by being obedient? And if we have to suffer, we suffer for Christ. We suffer in advancing the things of God and not ourselves. Look, we're dead already. Our lives are hidden with Christ. We've already been seated in heavenly places. God has prepared a mansion for us. All of this because of Jesus. Will you cooperate and submit and watch God work this thing to his glory? Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you, to praise you, and to bless you. We bless you tonight because you told us to cooperate with what you're doing by submitting, by praying, by watching our speech, by, by being people of light, by understanding that you are in control of everything. by living peaceable and quiet lives. God, we understand. And we bless you and we praise you. Now, speak to our hearts, O oh God. Forgive us our sins and inequities, especially when it comes to these politics. Reposition us so we can be salt and light to this world. Because we know that unless we come together that a house divided will fall. The church in America will fall. America will fall if the saints of God don't unite and do what you have told us to do. So give us hearts, willing hearts to do that. Give us hearts that allow us to Look at our neighbors and smile when they say stuff that, that get on our nerves. Give us hearts that are willing to take it. Give us hearts that are willing to pray by the Spirit of God for President Trump and his cabinet and the Congress and the Senate. God, make your church a force that brings forth your kingdom in the United States of America. God, bring the black church and the white church and the Asian church and the Hispanic church together as one. Put us on one accord. Put the church in the north together with the church in the south. 
put the Baptists and the Episcopalians and the Catholics and and the, and and and, and the, all all who name the name of Christ on one accord, that we might be truly the body that you called us to be. Oh, help us, God. Oh, help us to be one. Answer the prayer of your son Jesus as he prayed that we would be one. Make us one. Do away with the division and make us one. And make us one with one cause to do your will. That's how we bless you and how we praise you. How we lift you up. For you are good and your mercy endures forever. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. What a night. I pray you receive this word and that the word blesses you. I pray that you tonight would walk upright before the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face smile upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his countenance to you and give you peace. And that's in that way I put the Lord's name on you when I bless you that way. We thank you for being with us tonight. On the Word on Wednesday, this has been Pastor Winfred Burns of Word Worship and Witness Ministry and saying good night and we'll see you next week. We'll announce our topic as soon as God reveals it for next week. Amen. God bless you. Uh, you know, as they say, when you get in the world, it makes you straighten up the front right.